And you're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Today's Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show is dedicated to Devin Clifford, the drummer of You Say Party, We Say Die, who, as you have probably heard, passed away last Friday night at the Rickshaw Theatre in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You've probably heard that he's passed away because Devon was well-liked and loved by many. And You Say Party, We Say Die is one of the best bands ever to come out of Abbotsford, British Columbia, Canada. Make that Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Make that Canada. A few years ago, I was lucky enough to do an interview with You Say Party, We Say Die, and Devon. And that's what you're going to hear today on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. Plus, please remember, tomorrow, Saturday, 2 p.m. at the Cascade Community Church. Remember that place? Remember that time, 2 p.m., Cascade Community Church in Abbotsford, tomorrow, Saturday, because that's when a service will be held for Devin Clifford, the amazing drummer from You Say Party, We Say Die, who passed away last Friday night. Rest in peace, Devin. Who are you? Krista. From? Abbotsford. From? British Columbia. <laughs> From? Canada. From? You say party, we say die. Yeah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember, we're in a band. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and who are you? I'm Becky. Becky, could you please introduce You Say Party, We Say Die? Well, we are You Say Party, We Say Die. This is Derek, this is Devin, this is Krista, and this is Steven. So you can tell them by feel? Yes. <laughs> when did you develop a feel for You Say Party, We Say Die? Hmm. Um, about three years ago. What are the different textures of You Say Party, We Say Die? Could you go over that at all, Derek? What does each member of the band feel like? Um, (laughs) Scaly. Different grits of sandpaper. Could you go through each member? I could go through each member. Um, Well, first off, Derek is... Guitar. And... Of uh, some voice. And scaly! <laughs> and scaly. Yes. He's a coarse grain. Okay, we've caught you out of the way now. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. We got we got Devin here. He's probably uh, a medium grit sandpaper. Um, like 80? Yeah, about 80, I'd say. Uh, we got a helicopter or something. Um, that's noisy. Steven, I don't know. Steven's more of like a... A polishing chamois or something, you know? Awesome. I thought you were going to say, like, heavy grit. <laughs> really. Uh, yeah, and uh, Krista and Becky are just, just smooth and lovely, you know? <laughs> I guess. You say party, we say die. I'd like to read you a review. I think you are boring if you don't have fun with this album. Oh, oh, that's nice. You didn't know where that was going, did you? I thought you were going to just say we were boring. <laughs> People called you boring. Yeah. yeah. Why have they called you boring? Um, you remember that run review. Because they're mean and ugly. <laughs> yeah. It's always obscure blogs. 
Yeah. It's always the guy. Who, it's the guy in the basement with, who's like got the opinion. Yeah. I know the band, the organ. People have yelled at them. Come on, smile. <laughs> so uh, people yell at you. Come on, be unboring. Um. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. That wouldn't make any sense, would it? No. No. So the music was boring, or you were boring? Ooh. In the review, it oh. was the music. Yeah, it was the music. It was uninspired, I yeah. think it said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. An envelope opening or Un- something. <laughs> it was, it was soulless, they soulless. said. Soulless. Soulless, oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, what was the other one? Yeah, there was a con- contrived or... Uh, no, that wasn't it. Oh, we've had that one. <laughs> I, I like the soulless one. Well, this is a very positive review. It says, <laughs> I think you are boring if you don't have fun with this album. That's awesome. That's your album. Mm-hmm. It's having fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, I was wondering, Becky, how far are you willing to go to have fun? Hmm, sky's the limit. Is it really? You will not go as far as wearing high heels anymore, will you? Mm, I've kind of, yeah, I've put them away in a closet for a while. It's way more fun when you're not in heels. Come on, you want to take it farther. High heels, rock and roll. What's going on, Krista? <laughs> I don't really wear them much anymore either. I can move around a lot more with heels. And at first I thought, I can move around pretty good in heels, so I'm going to wear heels. But now, I don't know. Haven't you kept abreast on the updates on heels? Uh-uh. NASA has developed some special pour-on that's been used in a space shuttle. They have a NASA high heel. <laughs> wow. Well, if I could get one of those NASA high heels, maybe I'd sport them again. And as well, they have stiletto strength. Thanks, courses. Hello. Oh, <laughs> oh, baby. Now, is this band afraid of exercise, Stephen? No. No, we stretch before every show. So, stiletto strength exercises. Oh, yeah, I could do those. Some calf push-ups. Calf so, what is the perfect show? What is the perfect shoe? Um, perfect shoe right now for me is belly slippers. So, that will take it where the high heels could not take you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, back to my old ballet dancing days. <laughs> you say party, we say... Die. Tell me how important it is it not to overuse the hand clap. Overuse the hand clap. Mm. Unimportant. It cannot be overused. Because don't a lot of bands use the hand clap? When we figure out that... Then you know, like the breakdown. You know, the breakdown. The classic breakdown. Yes. Do you have any hand clap breakdowns and you say party, we say yeah, die? Totally. Yeah, we've yeah. had a couple. How many songs have the hand clap breakdowns? Um, maybe like three, two Is or three. Two yeah. per song? <laughs> two, yeah. uh, two hand clap breakdowns. But how important it is not to overuse that? Because that's really important. The hand clap is kind of like the new thing for rock and roll. I don't think it's new at all. I think it was probably the first thing the cavemen ever did was clap their hands. Oh, good point. Very good point, Krista. That is true. I have heard that, that music started when a caveman threw a rock in the ocean. That was the first indication of music. Huh. Wow. And you say party, we say? Die. Are continuing on with it. Now, you say party, what about the tambourine? Is that important? Is the tambourine important? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Why is a tambourine important? And how hard does she rock the tambourine? She rocks it pretty damn hard. Now, when I say the word she in the band... about my bruises. She used to have welts. I had a huge bruise that started from my knee and went up to my hip. And that's from the tambourine hitting? From the tambourine hitting. Have there been any other bands that have hit the tambourine so hard? 
Um, I don't know, but I'd like to ask them if they've developed any kind of like leather callus or something <laughs> <laughs> that I could borrow or use or buy somewhere. Maybe someone's like invented a pad that you can strap on for a while. But then you probably wouldn't hear the loud hitting so well if it was so soft. Well, your leg's soft, though, right? No, mine's hard as a rock. Oh, okay. <laughs> so would people be mad now to hear no high heels and no welts anymore? Definitely. See that would be... They liked us in the <laughs> <laughs> what are some fetish-type people that like the high heels and like the welts? Yeah, they got a problem now. They're going to have to go elsewhere. We, don't, we, can't, we can't support them anymore. I don't know what. What are we going to do? Maybe, uh, maybe maybe I'll start, start wearing the high oh, yeah, heels good. and we yeah. haven't even touched, I have some we haven't even touched kazoos like, and we haven't done the cowbell in years. Yeah. So kazoos and cowbells are next. They're open game. Yeah, yeah. You know when we wear out the hands. If there's a bandwagon available, you say party, we say die. You're gonna jump upon it. We're gonna build it. You're gonna build it. <laughs> you're all into having fun and stuff. In fact, you've played legendary punk club, the Asphalt. Oh yeah, the Asphalt. Oh, now, what is it like when you say party, we say die, play with punk bands? You guys played with SNFU! <laughs> that was Yay! awesome. <laughs> this guy to talk about SNFU. What was it like playing with SNFU? You say party, we say die, playing with SNFU. Opening for SNFU. I could have quit the next day and I would have accomplished everything I need to accomplish. So, yeah, that's pretty much the pinnacle of our career, I'd have to say. <laughs> How about the reaction? What did the crowd think of you? Because I noticed you also played with the Rip Chords. When did we play with the Rip Chords? <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> DOA. Um, well, let's just say you played with the Rip Chords. Oh, so that time we played with the Rip Chords, oh, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah. But how did the audiences take to You Say Party, We Say Die to punker audiences? Like, sometimes punks don't like keyboards. Like, there's that famous quote by an unpunk by an unpunk dude that said keyboards are kind of like condoms. We only use them when we need them. Krista. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know who said that? No. Loverboy. Oh, no way. <laughs> a Vancouver band. Yeah. So what is the reaction to the keyboards when you're doing a punk gig? I don't think there's been bad UBC. I think that's yeah. probably our only circle pit we've ever had. And maybe, yeah, opening for DOA, yeah. yeah. So I'd say pretty it hasn't good. Been bad at all. I well, new new wave is the sister to punk rock. Maybe we're not new wave, but you know they use keyboards, <laughs> and it was and it was okay. So it'll be okay for us too. You say party. You also played with the Blood Brothers. Now, what are the Blood Brothers like? A bit of background on the Blood Brothers. Ah, uh, they're really wild. That was a crazy show. There was an umbrella cloud surfing at that show. That's what I was curious about. What is a crowd surfing umbrella? <laughs> um, it's uh, magical. An open magic. <laughs> it's an umbrella that's completely open with no one holding onto it and being passed kind of like a beach ball over a mosh pit. Yeah, it was insane. Chris, did, weren't you worried someone was going to poke their eye out? I was, and I kept saying into the microphone, everyone, be careful. <laughs> I pull a mom once in a while. <laughs> Does this come from your years of being a piano instructor? <laughs> uh, probably, yeah. I've been teaching for years. Krista, are you also an accountant? <laughs> I'm not an official accountant, but I have worked in bookkeeping for years. Because that's what I was curious about. Do your clients come out to see you? Do your students come no, out to see you? I, I don't have clients. My students have never made it out. Um, I teach Nick's daughter from, uh, what's their name, the transmitters, and they've never made it out to see me, but... 
Um, she's my only student right now. So. <laughs> is it cool having an accountant in a band, or is it bad news? Um, I think it's pretty sweet because I don't have to worry about the math. Yeah, yeah who collects the money at the end of the evening? Me. You do? Yeah. Now, why is that? Because I need it. Okay. <laughs> Steve usually settles it. it, but then he hands it over to me. So you do the accounting? That's right. And the counting? Yes. Of you say party? We say die. In Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Now, you say party, we say die. You've played, you know, with, uh, well, the Rip Course, I mean, uh, DOA, SNFU, the Blood Brothers. Now, also, you guys have ventured to foreign shores, and you had the metric open for you! <laughs> That's right. The metric open for you! Correct. Now, how did that happen? It was kind of a fluky thing. They got added on at the last minute, but it was already our show, and... Secret, secret guest. They were the secret guest, and it got announced the same day, and it was kind of awesome because it would never happen here. <laughs> now, were you at all worried that anybody would think that you were the metric, or the metric was you? Mm, I don't think so. They have a pretty unique sound and look to them, so do we, so... Have you ever seen that at gigs? Like, I was actually at a Franz Ferdinand gig, and a little kid came up to me and said, is that Franz Ferdinand? And it wasn't Franz Ferdinand. It was, like, another band. Like, have you ever seen that where people are totally unaware who's, who's on stage, but they're just grooving out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the time. Right after we've played, sometimes people walk up to me and say, who was that band? They were so awesome. <laughs> it was just on stage. <laughs> and what do you say? Thank you? Yeah. Yeah. You don't ever say they suck? No. <laughs> now, you say party, we say die. You're playing in England. Your first show, is it a sellout? Is your first show in England a sellout? It was. The very first one on the last tour was. This first one on this next tour, I haven't heard about the numbers. But, but your first gig ever in England was a sellout. It's yes. true. The capacity was only 200. Who cares? <laughs> You've probably played in many places that couldn't hold 200. Like, 200. What do you mean only 200? That's, that's a lot of people. I'm not taking it for granted. So how did that happen? A sellout, your first gig ever in the UK. I think it's really different over there. I think they're really excited about Canada, whereas when we're in Canada, people don't really care if you're from Canada. asking us if we knew the arcade fire, because Canada is really big over there right now. They and just, of course you said, yeah, sure, we know them. Yeah, totally. Best buddies for Best life. Best buddies. <laughs> Still, that is incredible, though. After all these years of playing in Abbotsford, you go all the way to England, and your first gig is a sellout. It was insane. <laughs> and, like, the metric are opening for you. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, that really is a sign of cool things to come. Now, I heard the flip side of that. The rock and roll band Sloan, one of their first gigs ever, I think, was in Detroit, and it was at an in-store in Detroit, and it was completely packed, and they thought, man, we're going to come conquer the states and they and they almost did they almost did there's still less time but that sets quite a precedent the metric opening for you a sellout gig how the hell did this i still don't understand i don't think we understand it really either yeah it's just awesome i think i do perhaps understand i know why people came out because you have the same press agent in england as <laughs> system of a down what really <laughs> This guy Simon. This guy Simon. Simon. Oh, well, Armin. Simon, who does your press, also does System of a Down <laughs> and Simple Minds and 
You say party, we say die. Yes. (laughs) I think our manager somehow got connected with him. He contacted us. Did he contact us? It's like a lot of people over there are looking for the up and coming bands to work with them earlier on instead of instead of getting them when they're already huge. You avoid the ego that way. And I think that's an awesome combination. Would you describe you guys as a mixture of System of a Down meet Simple Mind? Totally. I can't wait till we tour with them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to start yarling a hell of a lot more, though. <laughs> so the Simple Mind is a keyboard. You know what I mean? Like you merge those two together. That is almost, you say, party sound, isn't it? I guess so. Because yeah. you're not afraid of the, the technical parts and the guitar, are you, Derek? Heck no. For tech? Tech? That was a rumor of a Loverboy album, Heck No for Techno. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Awesome. At South by Southwest, I saw you guys play at the Blender Party, and there were quite a few British people in the audience. And I knew someone was going, because they were all going, wonderful, amazing. <laughs> did, you notice, cool. did you notice a lot of British people in the audience at South by Southwest? Afterwards, yeah, when we were talking to people, Definitely. Do you notice the audiences being any different for You Say Party in England? Like, bigger t-shirt sizes? <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's definitely more men, I think, at our shows out there than there are out here. Yeah. More and, girls in and Canada. And we don't sell small shirts there, right? No. no. And why is that? Just bigger guys? It's the food. The food! <laughs> they have a fat tax now. Which you're happy about? <laughs> I just like the word fat tax. I like, like a skinny band. <laughs> if the band suddenly got fat, would you be mad? Um, no, but I'd be concerned for their cholesterol levels. So a fat tax does make you happy. I mean, I <laughs> yes. If we got fat, we'd do the intense set Wait, so no one could see us. We have a plan someday to set up tents and play oh, yeah. inside oh, yeah. and play inside play of tents intense. because our live intense? show is so intense. Ah, boom! Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. yeah. That's before so when, we transition to destiny music. Destiny music. And just like your gym teacher's name is Jim. Oh, gym teacher? No, nauseum. Morris. Jim oh. nauseum, gymnasium. Oh! Am I on the same wavelength yeah. for that tent thing? Yeah, good one. Yes. Hamburg! Did you guys play in Hamburg? Yes. Yeah, it was awesome. What was Hamburg like? Uh, we played at, what was that place called? Tanshalle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, was that kind of like the asphalt kind of, of Europe? For sure, yeah. It was a dingy little place in St. Pauli, and yeah, it was, uh, wasn't a very big venue, but it was a lot of fun. Real, uh, I don't know, all the locals came out. Because that's kind of like ground zero for rock and rolls in Hamburg, like Beatles and all that stuff. Did you get a chance to check any of that out? Check out the Beatles in Hamburg? Or any, like, the seat signs, you know? I went to the Poodle with Derek. That was great. It's like a house they squatted and turned into a, a bar. I walked in and they were playing the organ. That was crazy. The Poodle that the Beatles squatted at? No, no, no. It's, it is a bar now that... Yeah. Apparently it's world famous. But, uh, yeah. I'm not sure if the Beatles played there. <laughs> When you say party, we say day song goes like meow, 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 meow. Do you still do that one? Yes, I do. What is that song called? Meow, 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 meow. It, it's called Apocalypse Meow. When you guys first did that song, did any of you object to the amount of meows that were coming out of Becky? Not at all. Meows are great. Like, when do you know there's enough meows? There's never enough. It's like... It's like hand it's claps. It's like hand claps. Never too many. Because that's what I was thinking. There was meows, and I was like, how far is she going to take? It just keeps going. The meows keep going. I have to meow because I'm a cat when I sing that song. 
it's awesome. Meow, 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 meow. And then it made me think kitties. And then it made me think kitty yo. And then it made me think you guys are kind of associated with that. What's the connection? <laughs> yeah, kitty yo. They're great. What's they're the connection between meows, kitty yo, and we say party, we say die. You say party, we say die. Uh, our connection with them is they put out our single, The Gap, out in Europe. So you're on Kitty Yo. You love kitties, but they renamed the label. Yeah, Cheese Dream. Doesn't that suck? You have a song where you go meow, and they renamed the label. They named it Cheese Dream. I love cheese. I got a disease. I'm addicted to cheese. Yes. I love addicted to cheese. Yeah, I love cheese. But were you a bit upset about that? Well, yeah. I mean, mice love cheese, not cats. Good okay, thank you for correcting me. Anybody? <laughs> you say party, we say die. Here is the new Musical Express talking about you guys. This is the new Musical Express talking about you guys. Oh. Here it is. We've been lusting for this Abbotsford five-piece. Sweet. Now, what do you find interesting about that statement? We've been lusting for this Abbotsford five-piece. I'm lusting for uh, a cold beer right now. No, you have to listen some more. Is Derek a good listener? Not all the time. At times. <laughs> At times, Derek is a good listener, although we're a few beers into a few beers, and I'm sure his mind is focused on other things right now. Now, what could be unusual about this comment right here? We've been lusting for this Abbotsford five-piece. Well, Ooh. lust and Abbotsford Ooh. don't really go together. Lust well. is sin. Yeah. You're all jumping for the lust. Why are you guys all jumping for the sex? Uh, because it's been suppressed in Abbotsford, <laughs> and uh, that's what we grew up with. But the other thing is they said we're from Abbotsford. Yes! And we're not actually from Abbotsford anymore. But still, I love the fact that Abbotsford gets in the new musical express. Very few Canadian bands ever get in there, but here we have, we've been lusting for this Abbotsford five-piece. I love it! It's awesome. Abby, you representing! Woo! Yeah. You guys are also, you Abbotsforders, are going to the Reading Festival. How many Abbotsford bands have played the Reading Festival? I don't... Officially zero. Yeah. Well, one now. You're opening no, the gates. We actually haven't played there yet. Oh, zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, a little quote here from Derek. Our local scene was full of pretentious snobs that just stood around at shows. True. Now, who exactly were you referring to? Can you name some names from people from Abbotsford? Um... Not really. I didn't really ever talk to them. I wasn't really into those guys. I don't know. The reason why you can't name them. The reason is that you weren't in the band when we used to play in Abbotsford all the time. Pretentious Snobs in Abbotsford, top of the list. You didn't want to mention it, but let's bring it out now. Let's bring it out now. There is some Canadian Idol connection to Abbotsford, isn't there? <laughs> Insert Headley video here. <laughs> but it doesn't stop there, though. It doesn't stop there. There's another guy. Isn't there another Canadian Idol? Shane Weeb. He's from Canadian Idol, too, right? I sang in choir with him. Yeah, what can you say about Canadian Idol breeding ground Abbotsford? Who are the people? We have Shane Weeb. Tell us a bit about Shane Weeb. Uh, he's Mennonite. Sounds like it. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so is Randy Bachman of the band, and guess who? No, he's Mormon. Yeah. Mormon. No, he's Mormon. Mormon. Okay, same thing. We all Canadian no, anyway. It's not the same thing. <laughs> okay, sorry. It's true. She's Mennonite. She knows. Yeah, it's true. Okay, the killers are Mennonite. No, they're not. Sure they are. What are they? I have no... Well, they're Mormon. What? No, they're from Las Vegas. They're yeah, they're, they're Mormons from Las Vegas. 
Just like the band Panic at the Disco no, are Mormon. They're Mormon. I've heard that. Are they? Yeah. There's no Mennonites in Vegas. Okay, it's too confusing. Anyways, <laughs> back to the Canadian Idol breeding ground, Abbotsford, Shane Weeb. What about him? He's Canadian Idol, and we also have, what's the connection? The other Canadian Idler? Oh, there's Carolee Batten. Karen Lee Batten. Karen Lee Batten, yeah. Okay, you're talking about Jacob Hogart? Yes. Yeah. What's the connection between him and You Say Party, We Say Die? Or I understand a member of You Say Party, We Say Die witnessed something very interesting. A oh. Canadian Idol cat fight. Ooh, yeah, there was a cat fight at uh, the Replay Skateboard Shop. He, <laughs> he kicked uh, Shane right in the junk. Who oh. did? Jacob Hogart. And this was two Canadian <laughs> idlers fighting it out. I saw him once at the liquor store. He was stoned. <laughs> I want him to say hi the next time I see him. We'll be friends. I know it. Does he know you say party, we say die? No, no probably not. Not personally, anyway. So from Abbotsford, we can now say you say party, we say die, Headley, and Faber. Sean Weeb, anybody else? What is some Abbotsford trivia? Fun 100, most important band from Abbotsford of yeah. all time. Fun 100. Yeah, they play a guitar. Yes, they slay a guitar. That actually exemplifies how fun they are. Some people make fun of guitars. Fun one how to actually play a guitar. But anything else, though, about Abbotsford? Any other trivia here about Abbotsford? Any other people? We've got some of the music angle, but just curious. Smells uh, real bad. Oh, smells like... What is the smell? The Dung. Killer. Abbotsford Killer. Oh, the Abbotsford Terry Driver, killer. the Abbotsford Killer. We're uh, nationally known for a murderer. And... Um, we're also we're also home to the Abbotsford Air Show, the largest independent uh, weapons trade festival <laughs> in North America, I believe. In the middle. Very popular. Hundreds of thousands of people come out for that. Have you played anything like that? Like you played the City Limits Cabaret. What's the City Limits like? <laughs> city Limits is pretty much the oh, dung hole. Of it's, known, it's known as Shitty Limits locally. The, the limits but of. what's it like is that what every band kind of hopes to play is that the benchmark you play there well, this there are like, some bands that I think probably hope yeah, to play it's there it's the only <laughs> club in Abbotsford and if, if you're looking for a cougar you'll find it and that's why your brand new drummer Devin Ronald Butler Clifford were you cougar hunting at City Limits <laughs> I've oh, cougar hunted before but not at City Limits <laughs> What was your experience playing there? Why is it shitty limits? Why? What's it like there? Um, it's it's just gross and yeah, it's dirty. The people are dirty, but not dirty in an awesome way like no. the Cobalt or the Astoria. Like just just gross. They don't pair their bands very well either. We played with a band from Abbotsford called Joey, <laughs> classic rock. No, they were like yeah. Tom Petty covers. Yeah, Joey, awesome. Actually, that sounds pretty good. If, if it wasn't like dads. <laughs> it's like jamming with dads. Yeah. Dad rock. What's wrong with that? That's what Oasis is. Dad rock. Oh, I don't know about Oasis. My dad doesn't listen to Oasis, but he definitely rocks out, and I wouldn't mind jamming with my dad, but not everyone else's dads. Does your dad play anything? Yes, he plays guitar and harmonica, and he can play it at the same time with one of those thingies around his neck. Oh, that's awesome, like a Bob Dylan-y type thing. Mm-hmm, but totally his own. Was he in bands at all? Um, no, but he wished he could, and he he's wanted to start one with me. He's in a band? No, he's not. Every Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every Sunday morning he plays in a band. Is he living out any fantasies through you at all, like band fantasies? He just told me that he is, so that got me kind of stoked. <laughs> what would happen if your dad came on the road with you? 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> what would happen? He'd ask to play lead. <laughs> he'd be lead guitar? Yeah, he'd want to be, yeah. <laughs> would he do a good job? He would do a good job, but it, it would it would get bluesy really fast. <laughs> What's wrong with the blues? There's nothing wrong with the blues, except being blue. <laughs> Baboom. Baboom. Now, speaking of guitars, you say party, we say die. Sparrow guitars, you represent. Yeah. Totally represent. What is sparrow guitars? Badass. Well, it's Vancouver, right? It's our good friend Billy Bones, his guitar company. He actually makes guitars? Yes. Is that one of the few local sort of indie punk guitar makers that you know of? What's the reaction you've got to the Sparrow? Um, I, I think that it's probably the only indie guitar company that I, that I know of. Don't oh. say that. There might be others that we don't know about. <laughs> Billy, only that matters. Yeah. Billy's a great friend. Yeah. And uh, he makes great guitars. We like to play them. What other localisms are ingrained in You Say Party, We Say Die? Playing Sparrow guitars, that's pretty local. Playing a Canadian Vancouver guitar. Any other? Like, if we're looking at you on stage, how can we tell that you're from Abbotsford? How can we tell you're from Vancouver? I've been told I look like a Mennonite piano teacher when I play in the band. That's pretty Abbotsford. Any other observements? How can we tell that you guys are from Abbotsford? Or how can we tell you're from Canada? It's clearly our long hair and beards, like, because we look like all the other... Um, classic rock bands from Vancouver. We look exactly like Pride Tiger and Black Mountain. That's that's no. what it is. <laughs> yeah. okay. We'll give you some time. Now, speaking of pulling wool over people's eyes, would you like to clear up something? At South by Southwest, you had a little run-in with a band called Deuce. Could you please explain a band Deuce? Oh, yeah, Deuce, yeah. They're, um, yeah, a band from Belgium. Uh, I was, uh, just sort of, you know, had my pamphlet and I was checking out shows all over. Actually, no, no, no. This happened at the the Morrissey show, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Let's just um re. I, I'm a little touch. Ever since the ever since the mic hit me, I've been a little bit foggy up there. I don't know. I I, I seem to remember something of a band called Deuce, but I actually I remember more of this this really angry. Guy on, oh, yeah, no, I can't even really. It's all, it's all foggy. Basically, I wanted you to clear up the Morrissey story. What was the Morrissey story? Uh, we were on, we were on a TV in an interview at South by Southwest, and Derek told everyone that he got hit in the head by Morrissey, but it's not true. When it was actually by some guy in this, but Morrissey just sounded better. Sure did. Derek loves Morrissey. <laughs> I also noticed that there's another band called Die Die Die. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you know the band Die, Die, Die? They're from Australia, right? New Zealand. I just thought that was good. Die, Die, Die with exclamation mark. Die, yeah. Die, Die. Mm -hmm. We played a warehouse at the same time as them. Two separate oh, yeah. shows. In Oakland. In Oakland, yeah. California. They were playing downstairs. No, not with them, but oh. same building. Battle of the exclamation marks? Sort of. It was like two different house parties and people would move from one to the other. Bands would go back and forth. And well, Die, Die, Die versus You Say Party, We Say Die, probably in the same state as Chick, 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 which is exclamation marks. <laughs> That's just too much. Too much. Well, winding up here, You Say Party, We Say Die, how was your shindig experience? Wonderful. We made it all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Shindig was really good. Yeah. And you guys still are pedal power revolutionaries? <laughs> yes. Oh, we yeah, are. yeah. We are. You say party, we say die. You have a brand new drummer, don't you? Yes, Devin. Could you please introduce him? This is Devin Clifford. He is our new drummer. Hi. <laughs> now, Devin, the old drummer, Bruce, who now is in the Fun 100, who's always been in the Fun 100. Yes. 
Yes, he has been. Will the hockey talk continue now that Bruce the drummer is gone? Because you participated in a little bit, didn't you, Derek? I sure did. And this was how how did hockey tune up turn up in you say party interviews? Beats me. <laughs> just totally randomly. They would ask Bruce a question and he would just answer with the name of a hockey player. <laughs> yeah, it was like Sergio Momesso. Yako yeah. Rutu. Yeah, like all this sort of stuff. Did you get any feedback from that? Did you win over any new fans? Um, we were working to get some free Canucks tickets, but it never worked out, no. Just by saying their name over and over. I do believe we are getting Rutu pins made for us by Bruce Dick. Did he say anything else on him except this Rutu? It's his face. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know who Rutu was, but... I still don't know who Rutu is. <laughs> You'll be selling his image on tour. Pretty much. <laughs> we won't tell anybody that, though, because you could be sued for copyright infringement, right? Right. Wouldn't that be cool, actually, to be sued by Yarko Rutu? <laughs> and then he would say, yeah, that's me, and it's really just a picture of your drummer. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> Baboom. Well, thank you very much for your time. You say party, we say... Die. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Nope. Mm. <laughs> nope. Hmm. Ooh, Anybody? Ooh, ooh. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do la do do not quite! <laughs> Actually, why should people care about you say party, we say die? Because... Mm, I, I, I know this answer. I've seen a lot of your interviews and people are supposed to say they shouldn't care. <sighs> That's the right answer, right? No, there's no right answer. <laughs> oh. I see any answer is a good answer. You showed up. That's a good answer. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank you for attempting it. Well, thanks so much. You say party, we say die. Keep on rocking in the free world. And do, 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 do. That was an interview with You Say Party, We Say Die, done a few years ago. And today's Nardwarty Human Serviette radio show is dedicated to the drummer of You Say Party, We Say Die, Devin Clifford, who passed away last Friday night at the Rickshaw Theatre while playing drums in You Say Party, We Say Die in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. There will be a service for Devin tomorrow, that's tomorrow, Saturday, 2 p.m., at the Cascade Community Church in Abbotsford. 2 p.m. tomorrow at the Cascade Community Church in Abbotsford. A service for Devin Clifford, the sadly departed drummer of You Say Party, We Say Die. Also today on the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with the San Diego Chicken to help celebrate the brand new baseball season but right now here's some you say party we say die
are you? Well, in real life, I'm the San Diego chicken. Oh, maybe that's my alter ego. But in reality, eh, yeah, nobody likes ah, Ted Giannoulis from London, Ontario, Canada. You are the famous chicken. Yes, of course. The one and only San Diego famous chicken. Woo! Can you believe it? It's in better than getting a real job, Nardi. Now, famous chicken, it doesn't go all the way back to Harpo Marx. Does it go back to Harpo Marx? I got to tell you, this guy was the San Diego chicken with without a beak back in the day. This is what, this guy was actually a real inspiration for me, I must say. We have a quote here. Yes. The famous chicken story is classic Americana. Well, yes, but the roots are in London, Ontario, where I started off. All I did, Nardwar, was take my Canadian schoolboy sense of humor and market it in a sports event, and voila, here I am, chicken a la king. That's what I was saying. Like, people have said, the famous chicken story is classic Americana, but it's not as Canadiana, classic Canadiana. <laughs> well, you know, it's like John Candy, and it's like uh, Jim Carrey, and I guess even Lorne Michaels, and, uh, and a host of other Canadian personalities have got on to, uh, to uh, big things just happened to fall into things and it happened in the U.S. But you know, the incubation started right here in Canada. So do you think it's classic Americana? Do you think they say that because of the grand hatching? How is the grand hatching classic Americana? Is that the rags to riches story, the grand hatching? Yeah, it's kind of like off the wall and, and irreverent and uh, uh, really, I suppose, um, just over the top, you might say. There was a lot of wiggle room for that and, uh, and thankfully in the States, they've got a, a great sense of humor about themselves and uh, uh, you're able to do uh, stuff like that where hatching out of a styrofoam 10-foot egg is actually baseball history. And it could only happen in America where your idea was about to be stolen, wasn't it? You had to, like, show them, didn't you? Only in America. <laughs> well, you know, I guess, I, guess, I guess you could say, yeah, it's an only in America story in, in that regard. Yeah, the, there's a, a wide, wide margin of, of, of doing things, uh, like I say, off the top of your head and see if it flies and who salutes. It's not an easy life being the San Diego famous chicken is it chicken well no I, I guess not you know you got to cross a lot of roads and keep your head up or you know and look both sides of your beak but uh, you know I got to tell you though it, it, it's 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 fun it, it, it adds a, a lot of frivolity when I do a, a various sporting events and best of all Nardi it's better than getting a real job well it's like being in a band yeah, yeah, I guess you could it's say It's like being that. on the road. You're on the road. You're in a band. You're working it. You know, I, you know, I, that's a good point, you know, and, um, and, and rather than playing bass or getting on the drums, I guess uh, you're out there cavorting for a, a few laughs and, uh, and yeah, but you're right. You play to an audience every night. You got to love what you do and um, you try to create on the spot as well and, and you do your, you, you got to rehearse a little bit, but you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, the only thing, I don't have groupies though. Well, you might have had groupies when you emceed for the Ramones. What can you say about working oh, with the Ramones? Oh, how did you know that? Woo, Nardi, you know your stuff, buddy. Yes, I did emcee a Ramones concert. Yeah, you're, and you're right. And I, I actually met some goth chicks. They're very cool. And um, But I've also been, been on stage with many bands. George Thorogood, Jay Giles Band. I'm dating myself a little bit. But I even stopped Elvis one night uh, cold to show you how far back I go. I stopped and cold in laughter in the middle of a show. He was, like, watching you. You were in the aisles. What were you doing in an Elvis show? Like, you go from Elvis to now. That's incredible, famous chicken. Nardwar, the chicken is everywhere. You know, I was there, believe it or not, because he was visiting San Diego. Had to take in an Elvis show. This was about a year before he passed away. And I was goofing in the, in the grandstands and down the aisles while he was singing. And he doubled over in laughter, stopped the show, could not continue, apologized to the audience.
ingredients and then told everybody, I got to remind the chicken, my manager's name is the Colonel. Ah! Elvis, the famous chicken. How about Alice Cooper? Oh, I never met Alice. You know, because he has a chicken incident, doesn't he? Have you heard about the famous chicken incident, Alice Cooper? What can you say about that famous chicken? Well, you know, you know, it's very interesting. I did not know that chicken, I must say. But whatever he did, I got to say this. Uh, it helped eliminate my competition, at least for one night. Ba-boom! <laughs> did you get down with any other punk bands, though? What other bands you do? You emceed for Ramones. Did you get down with punk? You're into the punk. Are you into the goth? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I like all sorts of music. My, my roots are really in, in, in rock and roll, you, you might say, and uh, I really enjoy all, all types of, of, of music myself, personally. In fact, in my show, in my chicken shtick, when I perform Nardwar, I use uh, various uh, uh, pieces of music. can go anything from, from uh, symphonic to, uh, to, to uh, uh, punk and uh, everything in between. Exactly, though. You brought rock and roll to baseball, didn't you? You brought it. I, that's true. That's Nobody had done that before, had they? And here's the reason why, Nardwar. I started off with a rock and roll radio station back in the 70s. So I did a lot of things off the wall that were unprecedented and unheard of. And it just manifested itself, so to speak. I can't believe a chicken just said the word manifested. But anyway, um, but it just kind of snowballed uh, in, in effect. And it really took off. So I brought recorded music to live stadium events because of my background in roots and rock and roll with a radio station in San Diego. You, the same person that's in the suit now, was in the suit back then. Yes. Oh, yes. I'm not a franchise. It's not like a department store Santa Claus. I'm one of a kind, just like you are, Nardwar. Because nowadays, thank you so much, Famous Chicken. Woo! Because nowadays, there's companies that make mascots, aren't there? There's companies that make mascots. They're very similar for all the teams. That's a good point. There's a whole cottage industry. Even the Olympics nowadays make a big deal about having a character. But in the time that I called BC before Chicken, there was none of this. There weren't even crazy face-painted fans. There weren't uh, uh, crazy mascots. There weren't even really a whole lot of cheerleaders uh, for teams. So I kind of like started, like I say, this whole cottage industry where you could be yourself at a sporting event. And, and for that matter, even rock and roll events. These companies now, though, they create these mascots. They're all the same. They're all roly-poly. They're not ripped like you, are they? Oh, thank you, my man. <laughs> Thanks for noticing. Yeah, that's a good point. They are kind of roly-poly. More, more like uh, for kids to be patted on the head, you know, and that sort of thing. But I, I'm kind of like a, uh, oh, like I say, uh, think of like a Peter Sellers or a Jim Carrey or like I say, a fuzzy Harpo Marx. And Famous Chicken, you also integrate Devo into your act. You have some Devo in there. Whip it. Thank you. Oh, yes. I I'm a big devotee, you might say. And uh, one of the things I do is where I bring out a rubber mannequin dressed up as an umpire or a referee. And uh, I basically bang him around, you might say. It's a wrestling match that I win thanks to Whip It. And so I took the piece of music from Whip It and, and merged it with this uh, unique act uh, that I thought of because inspired by the music. And uh, really, uh, it, 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 it's, it's been a, a chicken signature for, for many years. And Famous Chicken, you also dressed up as Vanilla Ice. You're not afraid to dress up like Vanilla Ice. Woo! I gotta tell you, back in the day, you know, it was really something, and it still carries forth to this day, where I go out and do uh, Ice Ice Baby, but with chicken lyrics, with my own lyrics, where I put down the other... Can you give a little sampling of some of the lyrics? Okay. Hmm. Yo. Collaborate and listen. Chicken is here with a new sensation. The homeboys, the best in the game. They're playing their way to the Hall of Fame. Will it ever stop? No, I don't think so. Watch them every night, and they'll go right to the top and win it all. Because no one can touch them when they come to play ball. Baboom! Woohoo! Famous
famous chicken in the house. Yes, sir. So famous chicken people will be saying, when's the chicken record going to come up? But you had a record. You had a record. Yes. Can you believe it? Yeah. Do you think I'm sexy? Came out in the 70s, you know, kind of like a derivation of Rod Stewart's song. But uh, it was done by the KGB chicken, as I was known back in my radio days for the radio station. And uh, I, I still think it's floating out there somewhere on, on, a, on a label. And yeah. Uh, uh, to the you had a 45 famous chicken. I had a 45, if you can believe it. <laughs> Woohoo! And famous chicken, do you have bubblegum? Is there famous chicken bubblegum? There was a time there was chicken bubblegum, and it was made by the Wrigley Corporation back in the 80s, and it was a short-lived uh, thing. And uh, a lot of people, uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of collectors bought it, but the kids wouldn't buy it because they thought it might taste like chicken, when in fact it was just uh, chicken bubblegum in my likeness in terms of the form. Famous chicken, in 1998, you said that you played to 60 million people over your career. Now it's 2008. Looking at all the stadiums that you've covered, how many people have you played to? How many millions? Oh, I've got to say it's got to be more than 70 million people in live attendance, believe it or not, Nardwar. I've even, I've even grand marshaled Mardi Gras parades. I've done World Series events, all-star games. I've gone, uh, oh, around the world, you know, eight countries, four continents. Perform wherever a laugh is appreciated. Heck, Nardwar, if you know me, I'll even play to an elevator if I have to. 70 million people have watched The Famous Chicken. Who else has been watched by that many people in the history of people? Oh, thank you. I, 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 that's a good question. I, I've got to say, and I thought about this, maybe the Rolling Stones, obviously. I think they've played to about 1 or 2% of the entire world population. I've got to say, probably Bob Hope on Heels Alive by virtue of all his USO shows that he did for, uh, for American troops, you know, during the war years as well. And I've got to say, probably Willie Nelson is still going. And, um, oh, I don't know. about. And famous chicken. Well, of course. Can you believe it? And I don't have, like, a big band behind me. I'm just one of a kind waddling around the globe. Now, famous chicken, you're number one to me, famous chicken. Thank you. <laughs> you're number one to me, famous chicken. However, Forbes magazine has you as the number two mascot of all time. Philly fanatic, number one. How come? Yeah, because they don't know any better. You know, I mean, uh, there are bean counters who don't understand what's going on there in the real world. Things like that happen, Nardwar. You know, it's, it's like them ranking bands. They'd be the last people you go and, and approach and say, oh, I wonder who Forbes magazine thinks a top band in the world is right now. What's the deal on the Philly fanatic, though? He has a hot dog launcher. Do you think that put him to number one, having a hot dog launcher? Uh, no, no. It's because they're back east, and it's the media center uh, of, of the capital in the world back there. And, and if it's in their neighborhood, then everything else must revolve around it. When you live out in California, you know, you don't get that kind of attention. That, that's just the way it is, you know. And so... You know, I don't worry about those things myself, you know. The, the fact of the matter is, I don't see the Philly Fanatic in Vancouver. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> famous Chicken. I would like to ask you about somebody that's really famous. Mm -hmm. Famous Chicken, I hugged you, but you've been kissed by Morgana the Kissing... Bandit! Oh, yes, absolutely. Who is Morgana, the kissing bandit? And is she the competition? Well, you know, back in the day, she was a very voluptuous, to put it politely, very voluptuous young lady who had a, a tendency to, to, to go onto the baseball diamonds and hockey rinks and, and basketball courts and, and kiss athletes during uh, timeout breaks right on their peckers. And, or like, at least for me, at least. And, um, and I got to tell you, she ganged up on me one night 
unbeknownst to me and laid a big one uh, right on me. And it was a tremendous thrill, I, I must say. But she did a lot of Hall of Famers, uh, kissed a lot of Hall of Famers, shall I say, back in her day. And she had quite a cult following. Famous chicken, you touch. Speaking of touching, George Bush, you've touched George Bush. Yes, uh, believe it or not, uh, he invited me to the White House to perform at the very first T-ball game. And uh, in, new, uh, in fact, uh, when he ran the Texas Rangers baseball team, he was a big fan of mine and invited me to his team twice a year. I've even had dinner with him, believe it or not. And uh, so uh, when he became president, he invited me to the White House. And that's where I, uh, where I performed. And it, it, was a, it was a big thrill being there and, and, and seeing oh all the press there. And Bob Costas did the play-by-play of the game. And, oh, it was, it was a, a, a quite an experience, I must say. Famous chicken, what sort of strip search did you have to endure going into the White House? Believe it or not, and now this was pre-9-11, you got to understand. None! Absolutely none! They said, I, 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 I showed up and I said, it's, it's me, the famous San Diego chicken. Oh, right this way, sir, we've been waiting for you. Come right in. I brought in all my bags, nothing. Nobody even laid a hand on me. I didn't, believe it or not, it was uh, uh, really something. Uh, and I, I dressed right in the White House itself. Famous chicken, speaking of the famous chicken, could you show us a couple quick moves, some signature moves by the San Diego famous chicken? Well, whenever I make my entrance, uh, my signature move is is my, my, my opening bow. It's not really a bow. It's kind of like one of these, like a... You know, so, and, and a lot of things that I do, I might goof uh, with the players and the umpires, but, uh, uh, for example, hey, maybe I do a few little dance steps for you. I'm not warmed up yet, but uh, as a chicken in heat, I think I can pull this off, Nardwar. Are ready for this? Get ready for a little James Brown split. Woo! Yeah. And that's the same split that would have performed on the White House lawn, right? Yes, absolutely. And you're bringing it to Vancouver. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, I've done it on stage with, a, like I say, a lot of bands. And, uh, oh, man, I've done all the, the talk show circuits and all that sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, you might say, Nardwar, I'm at the beak of my career. Boom! <laughs> oh, famous chicken, what teams have banned you? Haven't the Yankees and Red Sox not allowed the famous chicken into their coop? Well, I've been to New York. I've played Madison Square Garden. I've actually done Shea Stadium. But, uh, yeah, you know, I try to reach out to a few teams. Boston is the only town in all of North America I have not played. I might be banned in Boston and not even know it, Nardwar. Why would they do that? I don't know. I don't know. You'd think, you'd think chicken goes real good with baked beans. But no, they haven't had me back there. I think, you know, the, the fans are great. They really look like they're great. I think the front offices are a little buttoned down and take themselves very seriously. But, you know, that's okay. You know, that's the way things go. I've been all throughout Massachusetts, been all throughout New England, just not Boston itself. And I, like I say, I've played all throughout New York for a lot of various teams, but not the Yankees. They take themselves quite seriously. Got to respect that, I suppose. Famous Chicken, at a game, you get totally involved, don't you? You become like the first base coach. Yes, yes, I coach a first base coach's box. I goof with the players, the umpires, the coaches, the fans. In fact, I'll even satirize myself a little bit. And so it just goes to add a, a little bit of fun and frivolity for the fans who are coming out. It's just like I say, chicken shtick. You also go to basketball games and bribe the refs and they accept. Yes, yes. Oh, have they ever accepted? Now it's coming full circle on the news. But yes, but I 
do it in jest and in fun. But uh, yes, I've done all, all kinds of bits like that where I, I will take to the court and uh, and uh, you might say lay a little chicken feed, a poultry sum with, with the uh, with the umpires there in full, and the referees in full view. And uh, yeah, yeah, they seem to they play along quite honestly, Nardwar. Famous chicken. We have hockey. We have basketball. Mm -hmm. We go back to hockey. Joe Lewis Arena. Oh, you know, I've played a lot of venues in the NHL and throughout the minor leagues in hockey, and I enjoy it. You know, I mean, I, 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 and believe it or not, my position growing up when I was a kid in Canada, I played goalie. So you might say a chicken is good in a cage, but... Uh, You're good at the hockey, and I was wondering, at Julius Arena, there's a lot of octopi that get thrown on the ice. Have you ever had an octopi thrown at you? What have you had thrown at you? No, I've never been there for a playoff game now I've uh, at Joe Lewis, uh, but, uh, uh, and I've done Joe Lewis, but uh, not for the wings themselves. Believe it or not, I was there one time when the Pistons played some playoff uh, uh, playoff basketball games there in the NBA, but um, they didn't throw octopus then because it doesn't really go with basketball. But um, uh, but uh, yeah, in the have you been involved in any riots or anything thrown at you at all, famous chicken? Because of course it was the disco demolition that wasn't involving you. No, I was not there. Well, you say about the disco demolition that involves mascots, doesn't it, to a degree? Well, no, so more disco. About, uh, <laughs> about disco music. Yeah, and, and I yeah, believe me, I was there in spirit that night. Uh, uh, although that happened in 79, um, I was not there physically, but I, I could relate to what those fans were going through, you know, but um, uh, especially, you know, if, you, if you're a rock and roll aficionado as I am, uh, you know, I like to say rock around the clock. Famous Chicken, what about riots, though? Have you been involved in any riots? I was mentioning octopi getting thrown at you. What sort of hairy situations have you got yourself through? No, I've never had any, I've never been involved in any riots. Uh, I've, I've uh, uh, maybe the closest I ever came was, uh, again, uh, when I was uh, Grand Marshal of the Mardi Gras Parade down in New Orleans. Now, you haven't seen humanity shoulder to shoulder like is there. And, and it is really more of a love fest. It is nuts. Uh, it's crazed. But it's always a lot of fun there, not Nardwar. I got to tell you, but uh, these people—they just—they just love you, man. And 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 if anything, they'll tear your wings off just out of out of affection. You're quite mean sometimes, aren't you, famous chicken? Mean in what regard? You're I'm... mean to dinosaurs. Oh. <laughs> My friend, you are doing your homework. Yes, you might say that. Uh, there's a certain purple dinosaur that uh, I, well, I can't explain it. Here I am doing my show. The guy shows up. You know, he's obviously jealous of all the attention I'm getting. And so he challenges me right there in the middle of a diamond to a dance contest. Well, uh, he, you know, then he starts break dancing and kind of shows me up. And, uh, you know, complications ensue and the uh, slap fight begins. And, uh, hey, I had to put him down. What do you say? You had the last word. You always have the last word. I got to put him down. That's true. In fact, you know, truth story here at Nardwar, the, the guy actually sued me. The Barney people actually sued me to try and stop me from doing that routine. And they lost that lawsuit. And they also had to pay all my legal bills. So that was pretty cool. Take that, Barney. Woo-hoo-hoo. Woo. How do you like me now, dinosaur guy? Woo. Famous chicken. How do you keep so clean? Here we are at a baseball diamond. It's all this dirt and stuff. How do you keep so clean? Well, I just took a bird bath, Nardwar. So, you know, I'll be ready for the game though tonight because your outfit is impeccable oh it is impeccable i like that one <laughs> oh i'm stealing that one that's a good one i like it 
Thank you so much, famous chick. I guess that's what I was curious about. Cleaning and stuff. Do you get to go into the showers with, like, A-Rod? Do you get to clean up? That's right. That's right. I don't like to go in there too much because they kind of get jealous of me. You know, they tend to peek at my McNuggets, and then it gets it's a real buzzkill there in the shower. So I wait for the boys to be done, then I go in there. What about yourself? Have you ever been unmasked? Have anybody tried to get an unauthorized photo of the famous chicken? Oh, no, that's no fun. It's like Santa Claus pulling down his beard or seeing who really Batman is. Yeah, nobody wants that. I mean, for heaven's sakes, that's real life. Just trying to have a little fun here. You have let people, though, famous chicken, into your suit, haven't you? Pete Rose went into your suit. Yes, uh, absolutely. Pete Rose actually got into my suit for WrestleMania. He actually stole it right out of my locker, went out there into the ring, tried to disguise himself as as me, and and then he ended up getting body slammed. Served him right, I I, I gotta say. But also... uh, Did you have to wrestle Jesse to body Ventura? Yes, I did, my friend. Good, that's right. In fact, it was at a a wrestling match. How come Pete wasn't in the suit then? No, he wasn't there. But I I was in the corner for Jerry the King Lawler, and Jesse the body Ventura was the wrestler, and I did stuff that he didn't appreciate, like untying his shoelaces when he was in the corner, or tripping him by the ankles when he wasn't looking, and he got so fed up, Nardwar, he actually jumped the ropes and started chasing me through the arena, and he was disqualified. He was counted out. So I kind of helped uh, uh, Jerry Lawler win that wrestling match against him. Did George Bush know about this? No, no. I, uh, he did not know about that. Woo! Because I mentioned George Bush. I mentioned Jesse the body Von Chira, mm-hmm. but you've met some other presidents who, like Ford, you've met quite a few dignitaries. Oh, yes, yes. Ford and Reagan and lots of governors, uh, kings uh, around the world, believe it or not. Hard to believe a guy in a chicken suit can be invited to meet all these people but it happens you know and so um, uh, but uh, as well as lots of athletes heck I've even partied with Jack Nicholson believe it or not has anybody else want to climb into the suit like for instance when you're partying with Jack Nicholson are like hey chicken let me get in the suit <laughs> well actually it was at a Halloween contest that, and, and, and our Halloween party and, and Jack came dressed up as a pig and needless to say we were ham and eggs that night <laughs> boom <laughs> now famous chicken what about Barry Bonds what's your interaction with Barry Bonds over the years you've had a long distinguished career he's had a long distinct <laughs> well I gotta tell you Barry I knew a lot in the minor leagues and and did not uh, get to know him quite as well in the major leagues because uh, my schedule and his they would never schedule me with the Giants quite a bit because they were a big draw when Barry was and so in the major leagues they would schedule me more against the lesser light teams but uh, but I, I saw him in, in the minors and he seemed to be a, a good guy then but that was a long time ago needless to say when he was a lot smaller what do the players think of you like what's the interaction with the famous chicken are they always down with it what players maybe haven't had a good time what players have had a good time with the famous oh, yeah, chicken yeah. you'd be surprised uh, Nardwar. a lot of the players actually think of the gags and routines for me they do have a good sense of humor and and uh, when you play 162 games and a guy in a chicken suit shows up believe me it tends to break the monotony for them they tell me so the, they've come up with gags and routines for me as well but guys who who didn't appreciate it oh one of them was frank thomas who's now in the twilight of his career you know uh, and another guy was a guy named what Eddie. did he find offense with oh just my showing 
up. He just thought that, uh, you know, I, I would uh, be goofing, uh, you know, in and around with him and something that he really didn't want. And I, uh, n nothing personal. I had nothing planned with him. But, you know, he'd make a scene in the in the locker room and uh, and uh, thinking I was going to approach him when I'm really talking to his teammates. Things like that. I mean, he, I, can I say, I you know, I, I know there was a lot of steroid use back in, in those days a few years ago. And, uh, and I'm not pointing or castigating anybody or pointing fingers. But, you know, uh, you, you just wonder what's true and what's roid rage sometimes. Famous chicken, people have grown up with you. Like the players have grown up with you. Yeah. You take little chicks out and some of these chicks have grown up to be players, haven't they? Yes, believe it or not. The first baseman for the Chicago White Sox nowadays, Nick Swisher, was a little chicken baby when he was four years old. This is where I dress up little kids in baby chicken suits and they follow me onto the field for an inning break and they copy all my moves. Well, believe it or not, Nick Swisher told me when he was four years old, I pulled them out of the grandstand in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, before a minor league game for our Mets affiliate, and uh, dressed him up in the suit, and he says to me, to this day, that's the proudest his mother has ever been of him on a baseball field. And they're well aware of the famous chicken then, so like you should have no problem doing any of your act, should you? Oh no, oh, they love... Like who doesn't know the famous chicken? Well, thank you, my friend, uh, you're, you're very kind to suggest that, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it's amazing, um, you'd be surprised as well, umpires have invited me to their homes for dinner, they send me Christmas cards, believe it or not. They take me out uh, for drinks or, or, or uh, uh, to an eatery after the game. It, it's, it's really amazing. So, you know, if you've got a sense of humor and, and it conveys itself well, heck, um, everybody opens up the doors for you, it seems. Famous chicken, you're not the only one to be in a chicken suit, are you? There was the famous black comedian, the first black superstar, Burt Williams. Uh, no, I'm not aware of him. No, maybe you can fill me in. Burt Williams was the first black superstar and he wore a chicken suit. I did not know that. And I guess what I was wondering is, what do you think about other people that are carrying on the word of the chicken? Wow. Uh, wow. I did not and know about Burt Williams, but um, uh, as far as... Uh, what other chickens are there? Uh, to my knowledge, I'm the only one in existence. To Let me offer up another chicken okay. for you, okay. famous chicken. We have here the Rhythm Chicken. Have you heard of the Rhythm Chicken? No, no. In fact, that looks like a bunny. Yes, that's the whole gag. He dresses like a bunny, but he calls himself the Rhythm Chicken. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he plays at Brewers games. I did not know that. And he's what? a columnist for this esteemed magazine, Razor Cake, but he just sets up and plays his drums. The Rhythm Chicken. Wow. I remember a few years ago, Burger King had a character that was uh, really, I guess you might say, um, kind of like a punk chicken. That, that was a little fascinating, but I did not know about the Rhythm Chicken. That is very cool. The Rhythm Chicken. Have you done much stuff with the Brewers, the Milwaukee Brewers? No, I've been into Milwaukee for the Bucks NBA, and I've been in there for their minor league hockey team known as the Admirals, but never been in there for the Brewers, although I did a cameo appearance many years ago just for an inning break. But they've never had me unofficially as a marquee event. You should, like, team up with the Rhythm Chicken. I think it would be amazing, the Rhythm Chicken and the Famous Chicken. He'd bring his drums. He'd have a great time. That is really great. I bet he handles those skins pretty good. I'll have to check out. He is a totally professional drummer, just like you're a totally professional individual there, Mr. Famous Chicken. That is very cool. I did not know about that, Nardwar. Mr. Famous Chicken, being a professional, if I want to bring you to my event, it only is going to cost 22 cents per customer? Well, yeah, you know, it depends. You know, it's a very interesting. It's a poultry sum, believe it or not. So, um, yeah, I've gone uh, nationwide. I've played all the venues, from amateur sports all the way up to the big leagues, and I've even done trade shows, parades, conventions, and, and, and the gamut. So, uh, yeah. Because Plan B Marketing said it costs only 22 cents per fan to bring this famous chicken in. 
Well, yeah, yeah, and, and, and like I say, it's just chicken feed in, in essence. But uh, yeah, in a general sense, yeah, I suppose uh, that that would be, uh, I guess, a worthy value for a little extra added inducement to a, a fan buying a ticket. Famous chicken. Lastly, here you've also played the Grand Old Opry. Oh, wow, man! I gotta tell you, Nardwar, you are doing your homework. Yes, I was on stage at the Grand Old Opry, and I did, uh, believe it or not, a whole lot of shaking going on to chicken lyrics, or you might say just clucking, a lot of clucking around. But it, it in front of 5,000 people there on a live broadcast, it was really, I gotta tell you, I, I, I really felt what it was like Mick Jagger strutting around like a rooster. Yeah, could you do a little bit for us right now just to end the interview at all, Famous Chicken? A bit, a whole lot of shaking going on. Oh, okay. Something like that. At the Grand Old Opry of Vancouver. And with a band behind me, no less, and I was improvised at the spur of the moment. At the time, believe it or not, I was I was on a back lot of the Grand Old Opry taping a show called Hee Haw, which was... Uh, uh, amazing. Amazing. And during a break, uh, the, the producers of the Grand Old Opry say, Chicken, you want to come out and do a cameo in front of uh, 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 the, the Grand Old Opry itself? So I came over, improvised some stuff, and uh, voila, couldn't believe that I was on there. So yeah, it's amazing how things can happen by the, the spur of your tail. Famous Chicken, anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Well, yes, absolutely. I love coming to Canada. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, it, it's, it's amazing the passion the people have of Canada for their sense of humor. Uh, it, it's, it's incredible. It's a great audience to perform for. And it's, I, I feel like a favorite son. I've, I've got to tell you. It, it's, it's really, I'm always honored uh, to come back to my home country and, and, and perform. It's, it's, uh, it's like seeing family, you might say. And I really enjoy it. Why should people care about the famous chicken? Why should people care? Well, Nardwar, you know, if, if, if you like something irreverent, if you like to think out of the box, if if you like to see something fresh, special, and, and unusual, I suppose, you know, if, if a sense of humor counts, then uh, I like to think that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm right there for you. And uh, just adding a little embellishment, you know, uh, you got to laugh in this life. As Jimmy Buffett said, if we couldn't laugh, we would all go insane. And I like to live by that spirit. So maybe, maybe if you keep that mantra in, involved in, in your mind, maybe that's why I add a little bit. Well, thanks so much for your time, Famous Chicken. Keep on rocking in the free world, and do 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 Whoop, 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 whoop. Ah, yeah!
pitched a perfect game. Dennis Martinez, he pitched a perfect game. Dennis Martinez, he pitched a perfect game. Dennis Martinez, he pitched a perfect game. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard brand new from Shanker and Romps from Ottawa, Ontario, Dennis Martinez, colon, he pitched a perfect game. And before Shanker and Romps, we had... An interview with Mr. Famous Chicken, the San Diego Chicken. Coming up on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, excerpts from the book I Have Fun Everywhere I Go by Mike Edison. Now, the book I Have Fun Everywhere I Go is Savage Tales of Pot, Porn, Punk Rock, Pro Wrestling, Talking Apes, Evil Bosses, Dirty Blues, and American Heroes, and, and, and the notorious, notorious, notorious magazines in the world, such as Screw Magazine. It comes with the recommendation from Nick Toshes, the esteemed Nick Toshes, quote, this book is beyond blurbs, so let's just get to the jack. If you have any interest in pot, pornography, punk rock, or professional wrestling, just buy this effing thing. Much more important than food for the table or the starving children of wherever. Nick Toshes. So coming up, excerpts from Mike Edison's book, I Have Fun Everywhere I Go, read by Mike Edison with music provided by John Spencer. And also, please tune out if you are easily offended by, well, the, the following. Pornography, Gigi Allen, Space Bop, Wrestling, Ozzy, High Times, and Mike Edison. So please tune out. Some adult words would be coming up and obviously anticipated in this reading from I have everything, everything, everything. I have fun. I have fun everywhere I go by Mike Edison as read by Mike Edison. So tune out right now if you're young and scared or if you're old and scared because Mike Edison is coming up right now reading from his book. Number one, pornography. Number two, punk rock. Number three, drugs. That's not a resume, that's a crime scene. I didn't even bother to listen to my years working the wrestling beat. I didn't want to kill the lily. But man, I needed a job. I had Screw Magazine on the speed dial, so I gave them a shout. I figured they might be in the market for a smut peddler with a pedigree. It is harder than you might imagine to find someone to critique porn movies, at least someone sentient who still has their sight after years of chronic self-abuse. Man of steel that I am, I took that gig and began writing under the name Lord Zeppelin. Pornography is an illusion painted as reality. More fantastic than any James Bond movie or Star Wars. The sex of these movies doesn't exist. You could be the best-looking cable repairman in the world and carrying 12 inches of salty lunch meat in your shorts. But there's no way on God's green earth that you are ever going to end up having your mind or anything else blown by a raven-haired, 
double-breasted, mattress thrasher with bee-stung lips, welcoming thighs and a dewy pedenda, who answers the door in a diaphanous kimono with nine-inch heels, caressing a bottle of baby oil. You have a better chance of becoming a Jedi Knight and destroying the Death Star. What's really scary about the porn movie business is just how geeky the fans who watch this crud really are. It may not be surprising that hardcore porn fans suffer from a lack of social skills, but what you probably don't realize is they can go toe-to-toe with comic book guy or a dozen triple-loving Trekkies and their knowledge of their hobby and its mind-melting minutia. Fucking by its very nature is a repetitive business. You can bet that porn fans, real porn fans, can pontificate endlessly on the Rubik's Cube of multi-partner variations with Kama Sutra-like authority and discuss the subtleties of double penetration with the verbal alacrity of Gail Green deconstructing dinner at the Cirque. Thankfully, the screw style does not cater to such gentility. Reviewing seven volumes worth of Omar's anal adventures for our special Black History Month issue, Lord Zeppelin diffused. Omar spoke so much spizzle in this jizz fest, you'd think he had a jar of helmets hidden in his ass. It was about a year after the dawn of Lord Zeppelin when I was asked to become the new editor-in-chief of Screw, and I agreed immediately. Screw had gone belly up, run into the ground by its founder and publisher, Al Goldstein, the corpulent media whore and vociferous loudmouth, so filthy, so reckless in whom he would attack and screw that even other pornographers avoided him like a summoned server. Meanwhile, Screw's longtime art director, Kevin, had been approached to become a partner in buying Screw out of bankruptcy and relaunching it, and Kevin asked me if I wanted the gig. Now I love Kevin. He's a master of cock and mouth composites, a regular Picasso with the cut and paste hatchet jobs. Not only did he have the magic touch with the scissors, he actually enjoyed it. Tell the man that this was the week we were going to turn Tom Cruise's narrow white ass into a Hollywood dick depot or strap a dildo on Hillary Clinton and bung it up the rump of the Republican du jour and he would take to it like Chief Wiggum to a jelly donut. I looked forward to going to work every day. In fact, some days I'd wake up so inspired, gifted of such felicity of phrase that I could effortlessly cast a cover line that succinctly captured the gestalt of screw before even getting out of bed, and that I would skip happily all the way to work. Russian volleyball sluts. Zero gravity swingers. Super horny sex women go blowjob crazy. They all met with great public approval. That last one made us a bundle. We tore into celebrity frauds, hacks and hypocrites, Courtney Love, Dick Cheney, Michael Bloomberg, Katie Cork, and the stars of American Idol all felt our wrath. Madonna was a regular. But our best work was our patriotic broadside for the 2004 Republican National Convention, which was held in New York City at Madison Square Garden, right up the street from our offices. John Kerry is a big homo! We screamed on the cover, and then in a red, white, and blue banner, screw cells out. Welcome, Republicans. You had to figure that these out-of-town swine were all big-money pervs, and it was going to be a boom time for our advertisers. Chicks with dicks, enema specialists, discipline freaks, cross-dressers, and all the other hard 
to find indulgences that right-wing moralists go for when they hit Sin City. Inside the magazine, we featured a spirited four-page eye-popper called the Manchurian Cocksucker that featured John Kerry relating George W. Bush under the Yale University Skull and Crossbones logo. Arnold Schwarzenegger terminating Ralph Nader's ultra-liberal bunghole. Fat-ass Bolshevik muckraker Michael Moore spilling his seed in Fox Newsboy Bill O'Reilly's craggy face. One more picture of our fearless leader, President Bush. This time being terrorized, oh, but gently, by ass-banded at large Osama bin Laden. And Secretary of State Condi Rice, her martini glass tits chilling in the breeze, Captain Patriotic, star-spangled pasties, and wearing a beauty pageant sash that read Miss Negro Congeniality, 1967. Sometimes it was hard to tell if we had gone too far. We were just trying to have some fun at the expense of, well, everybody. But after a million manufactured celebrity squack shots, unreality ran high, and it was impossible to tell if we crossed some sort of line. We were simply too close to the material to be a fair gauge anymore. So... One day, we asked our friend John Holmstrom, the founder of Punk Magazine, and also a screw contributor, to come by the office so we could get his valued opinion. He took one look at us and said flatly, you guys are going to jail. It was the nicest thing anyone had ever said to us.
rooftop barbecue. It was a pleasant afternoon. Gigi and I were wearing aprons and silly chef hats, flipping burgers and drinking beer. He asked me if I wanted to be on the guest list for the show the next day, and I told him I wasn't going. We're having a nice time, I said. It was really good to see you. Why would I want to ruin that vibe by going to one of your gigs? He laughed. Yeah, he told me. You're probably right. years old and already in the grip of a deeply existential blues. Where was I going with this pornographic life? Not into outer space, that was for sure. That dream had exploded when the space shuttle Challenger came crying out of the sky with a school teacher on board and NASA jettisoned their next civilian in the sky initiative, the journalist and space program for which I had enthusiastically applied. <laughs> Like all boys of my generation, I had lived vicariously through the adventures of the Skylab astronauts. What greater fashion statement could there be than a bright orange NASA jumpsuit with Velcro on the feet so you wouldn't float around the cabin and bang into the science officer? This was surely the first step towards moon colonies and space station staff by bosom of space kittens dressed in tinfoil hot pants and anti-gravity go-go boots. Interstellar sex with Barbarella and all of her friends? That was the sacred covenant of technology. That was the future of man. The application for the journalist and space program came in a groove of a folder decorated with a fountain pen, soaring through the cosmos, and I filled it out in earnest. Clearly, I was the right man for this job. I was, after all, a pornographer and a wrestling beat writer. Yes. It would have taken a little vision from the slide rule boys in the lab coats down at Cape Canaveral. But as far as I was concerned, that was exactly the kind of pioneering spirit that made America great. Walter Cronkite was too old, and Peter Jennings, the prohibitive favorite, was Canadian for fuck's sake. Unfortunately, the teacher in space blew up, and I'll never know how close I came to making that short list. Man, I'll never know. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwater Human Serviette Radio Show. And those just there were some excerpts from Mike Edison's book, I Have Fun Everywhere I Go. Mike Edison and the Rocket Train Delta Science Orchestra featuring John Spencer. Here's some Get people. 
people, especially my extended posse of supposedly open-minded punk rockers, hotheads, and pornographers, people who loved all sorts of crap, culture vultures who worship whoopee cushions and women in chains prison movies, perpetually poo-pooed professional wrestling. Were they afraid they'd get hooked? That wrestling was a gateway to a harder sport? Fair! 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 But those of us in on the joke were having a blast. WrestleMania, a good time to be in the business. Diane Keaton was seen at matches. MTV was saturated with the stuff. You couldn't give a God-fearing jobber a swinging neckbreaker without hitting a poster for Hulk Hogan and Mr. T, who, along with Cindy Lauper, were going to take on Rowdy Roddy Piper and his acts of evil in a WrestleMania event at Madison Square Garden. Muhammad Ali was the guest referee. Liberace would be the timekeeper using a diamond-crusted, piano-shaped watch given to him by Elvis Presley. He made his entrance with a chorus line of rockets. How could anybody resist this stuff? Even Andy Warhol showed up to watch. Vince McMahon, a visionary on par with Columbus, had joined his World Wrestling Federation, much to the chagrin of elitists and squares who never got it into a media giant. I prided myself on being the first heel editor. Heel is wrestling argo for bad guy. We call the good guys baby faces. A jobber is one of them bums whose only job it is to get their asses kicked. I modeled myself after the great rule breakers, outlaws who would pull a pair of brass knuckles, a roll of quarters, or a sharpened wooden tongue depressor out of their trunks to carve up and KO the good guy when the referee wasn't looking. Hey! 